what's going on? It's your boy, Big Wavy Roy Johnson here. Hello everyone, this is the interview queen, Alicia Too. This is the infamous Cameron Solis. This is the professional Nathan Cruz. This is Veggie. This is the Callahan Death Machine in the draw and the face of Impact Wrestling, Sammy Callahan. The one and only shot under Willie Mack. This is Shreddy Breck, aka Mr. Clangin and Bangin. And you're listening. You are listening to. You are listening to. Broken but glorious. Broken but glorious. Broken but glorious. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Broken but Glorious Wrestling Podcast. Uh, I'm your standing host for this week, Nick Davey, and I'm delighted to be joined by a great friend of the show, Stephen Jackson. Ah, oh, thanks for having me again, uh, Nick. Yeah, it's uh, been quite. I've been on quite a bit quite recently, so uh, yeah, looking forward to it. And uh, in, I hope everyone, as we just said off air, is keeping safe in this crazy heat we're <laughs> having here in the UK. Um, yeah, as we just mentioned, just hope you are okay as well, Nick, down there in the you know in the south where it is particularly warm. Absolutely, yeah. No, I'm sure uh, our listeners are sort of in various places. Like, oh, they've got nothing to worry about. It doesn't get as hot as it does over here. Whether we uh, might have some listeners uh, that are trying to off the top of my head, Las Vegas around that sort of part, where Texas, where it can get really, really hot. So even in, even our European friends as well in sort of Spain, Portugal right now, it might, it's absolutely sweltering over there. So. It is. Um, but no, um, yeah, no, how are you doing though, mate? As I said, I made a little joke off there that whenever we seem to, uh, catch up on our podcast, just me and you, yeah, sign Kels always seems to, you seem to be changing a, a job or moving house or, but it seems like you, yeah, all a bit quiet this time around. Yeah, it's all quiet now and our, uh, house is all sorted now. Um, job I've been in for just coming up to three weeks, so, you know, I've not moved anywhere sort of within, a particular period of days um yeah just feeling you know just feeling really good and just uh you know looking forward to the to the summer what's ahead and just feeling very kind of after everything what's gone on in the past sort of six months with all the upheaval and stuff it feels like it's a nice even keel now in the in the summer heading into the rest of uh 2022 but yeah been a very sort of uh great few weeks really more than anything you know and like i said just looking forward to talking some um after the news talking some smackdown six with uh with you and you know hope the people enjoy it absolutely no really really excited for the for the show this evening um yep sad, yeah, sadly no chris lapping tonight um away with um I was about to say work commitments, but that's not right. Um, I believe work slash family commitments, we'll call it. And, yeah. um, um, generally having a busy life. Uh, how dare he? And, <laughs> um, and Lance, sadly, uh, again with, uh, resting commitments. I think, yeah, feeling a bit, feeling a bit under the weather, Lance is. So, um, obviously wants to, um, yeah, take it easy ahead of, um, ahead of his big, busy summer wrestling schedule coming up. So, yeah, sadly, uh, sadly they can't join us tonight, but, uh, as I say, uh, me and you back again once, once more. Only think it was three weeks ago we did reviewed um, Impact Slammiversary. So yeah. yeah, not as long as last time. The distance was last time between shows. So. No, it's uh, yeah. I was just looking on Skype just then. It was about three weeks, you know. So uh, we must be doing something right if we've been <laughs> given the reins while uh, Chris and Lance are off. So yeah, it's uh, yeah. It seems to be going all right. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, well, um, yep, no, we'll start with the, um, with the news, um, as, as always brought to you by the Pro, uh, Pro Wrestling Facebook page, the best wrestling, uh, page on Facebook. 
And um, yeah, no, so it's been quite a, quite a few sort of title changing weeks there. But we'll start off with um, the, obviously on the Money in the Bank uh, pay per view that we reviewed last week. Um, so uh, there's um, Dave Meltzer's v- reviews have come out, or reviews uh, ratings have come out for the Money in the Bank. Uh, I'll quickly skip, I'll quickly whiz through these. So the women's Money in the Bank match got three point two five stars. Uh, the Lashley Fury match got three point two five stars. Bianca Bella against Carmella, two stars. Usos versus Street Profits, 4.50 stars. Ronda versus Natalia, 3.25 stars. And the men's money in the bank, 4.25 stars. So, yep, uh, obviously, naturally, when ratings come out, or, or people, people are always going to have different opinions. No one's going to agree. I think it's safe, safe to say. Uh, but the ones for me that instantly, uh, that, that sort of uh, caused a little bit of, oh, that's a little bit harsh. It could have, he could have put a bit more higher up, was the Lashley Fury match at 3.25. So I think that could have maybe got just a little bit higher, maybe even closing in on a four star I just think with more so I mean how we mentioned last week how great the crowd were for that but I think that could have just got up a little bit and um, the Uso Street Profits now I know 4.5 can be a bit generous but then a lot of people are making the argument on sort of social media going well hang on if that was an AEW tag team match surely that would have been a guaranteed five star so there's sort of arguments there where I can understand but I think yeah the one that for those two I think could have arguably Maybe just got a little bit, bit of a bit higher. Uh, I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw Money in the Bank or there's any, uh, any, any matches there, or if you happen to come across any matches that you may have seen. Um, I didn't watch it directly. Um, I saw the. Um, I always try to kind of keep a tab on the um, Money in the Bank matches. Um, sure. I thought that the, um, like a lot of things, I thought well, a lot of times in the past, I thought that the use of uh, theory. Um, Austin Theory to me, but I thought him coming in in the main event and you know winning the actual you know briefcase was a really great use of um, you know him and sort of on the up. Um, and like you and a lot of people, I do agree that um, I think that there's a that there's a supposed bias towards particular companies and particular um, matches being rated particular ways, and you know whether they sort of hit the five star level and things like that. Um I think it's again it it's subjective in the sense of that it's one person's it is that funny thing where for a long time I kind of used star ratings as a gauge as to whether to watch a show or not, whereas now kind of I'm sort of uh watch it to enjoy it if you see what I mean. But I think for a lot of, it must be difficult for wrestlers as well where like you've put on the performance of whatever and then you know like there's such an emphasis on star rating as we've seen like with AEW and things, like for example with the tag team match, and then you know you don't hit the five star level, but then you know a match in AEW may hit five, which you know it's the arguing, it's it's an argument, isn't it? So it's um it's definitely always an interesting discussion is star ratings. Um, but I think although I didn't see the show in full, I did see clips from the Money in the Bank, the main event that is. Yeah, I thought that yeah. was really really good. Um, and I always like the. I always think Money in the Bank, the actual like the the ladder matches um, and and the women's match as well, I must say. But I think both of them are good in the sense of that, like they give they they can instantly make somebody um, sort of main event, put them in the main event picture in some shape or form, and it can then develop in itself, you know. Um, and I think that uh, with the you can have such a mix of talent together that you can then develop it from there as well. So it's always an exciting time, Money in the Bank. You know, we obviously know that from so long. So 
um yeah it's definitely um definitely an interesting one and you know Dave Meltzer's ratings are Dave Meltzer's ratings they're what you know all I know is, is I watch wrestling to enjoy it and recommend what I like and recommend not what to watch if you get what I mean <laughs> um but yeah star ratings are star ratings um and we can argue with them till the end of uh till the end of time but um I will definitely go and watch the show though fully because I did read a lot of fun reports right actually so uh so yeah definitely give it a give it um some time when i get a chance yep no fantastic and yeah as i say um yeah i i think yeah a lot of them were fair ratings i think obviously I've, I've done the positive ones of saying oh, maybe they should have been a bit higher stars <laughs> funny enough I know it was actually the men's money the bank match at 4.25 stars I was like mm, a little bit generous I think more <laughs> so I think I, I think the reason why I think is just because of the well like we said last week on the show as soon as Austin Theory came out I was like well that's the winner sorted then we kind of kind of pretty knew who the winner was going to be before it even started so yeah. I think that always has a little bit of negative mindset going into it so but yeah, no, overall, I think some fair ratings and I'm staying in the WWE kind of mindset. There was a, uh, well, they had a following Money in the Bank. It was actually the NXT, the Great American Bash last week, which was a good show. Um, there was some title changes. Um, so Toxic Attraction actually lost the women's tag team titles, uh, to, um, uh, Perez and Cora Jade. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, so it was, yeah, there was obviously an interesting uh, title change and a good show. Um, but I think as well, with fact, we've just seen uh, the title change. You may think as well, we still haven't got any update on the on the main women's tag team titles. So, um, again, uh, obviously, then that obviously begs questions of the update with Sasha and, and Sasha and Naomi. So, uh, rumours now flying around that they are going to be joining um, AEW. Um, so, it's... It's all a bit sort of interesting, but um, yeah, I think first and foremost, though, um, on the subject of the NXT title change, uh, I've got to give just a bit of praise there to, um, yeah, obviously to, to Cora Jade. Um, yeah, they've had a bit of a feud with Tox Traction, um, Jade and, and obviously her partner Perez, now, now tag team champions. Um, but yeah, what are your overall thoughts? Uh, obviously, uh, uh, on the title change, but also on sort of the saga at the moment again with with with, uh, with Banks and Naomi. I think you know this um, again. You know, congratulations to um, Roxanne Perez and Cora Jade for you know winning the NXT Women's Titles. You know, it's a Women's Tag Title. Sorry, I mean you know um, Roxanne Perez, obviously from previously from Ring of Honor. You know, has gone on to WWE. Um, you know, so it's great to see her, you know, going up the ranks and, you know, for um, Cora Jade, who's, you know, a very, a, a rookie in a sense, to get this big win is great. You know, it's always, especially with someone like Roxanne, who's had that experience beforehand. Um, I haven't seen, um, I didn't see the whole show. I do want to see um, the main event uh, of Brom, uh, Brom Brecker and Cameron Grimes. I do need to catch that, actually. Um, but I think... It's definitely a strong place for, um, you know, women's tag team wrestling. Uh, in regard to uh, the AEW situation, um, this is the problem as well, is that there's been so many people who've jumped from WWE to AEW or have been kind of prized over. It's kind of, in some instances, it's sort of more um, predictable than others. So, for example, like, you know... Um, 
Cesaro, aka Claudio Casagnoli, kind of knew it was going to happen just because of, you know, certain things. But then again, you know, it might be interesting to see the curveball come about and them stay in WWE. Um, I think that kind of needs to happen. I think, you know, there's kind of this, people are becoming a little bit, um, if, if I'm trying to, yeah, the problem is, is that like AEW are kind of, there's so many people who are jumping ship that it's kind of becoming a bit like the old ECW thing where it'd be like every week there'd be the lights go out and someone else would turn up or like TNA where someone else from WWE would turn up. I think they need to kind of um, bring, keep people in in WWE the best they can. Um, but then again, who knows? You know, it might be that the schedule's a lighter schedule or it might be that, you know, AEW's a better place for them to thrive. So... Again, it's up in the air. Um, I would like WWE to kind of keep talent more so than get to AEW because I do think there's a little bit of oversaturation of talent slightly. Um, but then again, if it's kind of with WWE that you want a change, then there's nothing to stop you going for a change. You know, um, it'll be interesting. It, as you can tell from my description, it's kind of yeah. up in the air to say the least. I, but but in if I had to choose kind of uh, hand on heart, I would prefer them to stay in WWE just because um, I think it would be detrimental to them in the long run to go to AEW just because of everything what's happened recently with so many people jumping ship. I think it's kind of become the it's kind of become a bit of a, a meme, aka like a running joke. You know, yeah. like who's going to no, jump abs- to the? You do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, I mean we've always said yeah about the male talent 100% I think female talent they can arguably get away with a little bit given that um, I think given that naturally female roster sizes are always a bit smaller as in any promotion and uh, I don't think we've had that sort of I know it's been called sort of female sort of talent uh, things I think the ones that spring to mind are, uh, well for me personally is Ruby Riot um, Ember well Ember Moon and um, Tony Storm rocking yeah. up but I think we haven't really had, I think someone like, if you're talking about like a Sasha Banks or, uh, or even, I know another, another theme I've, I forgot to mention has been linked this week is Paige, of course, yeah. after her, after leaving WWE. So I think if someone in that caliber was going to rock up, then that would be like your Judge on Moxley type or your, your CM Punk, uh, your Brian Danielson sort of moment in terms of a female talent because I don't think they really have got that. I don't think they've had that major female star uh, turning up there. Yeah, I mean that's um that's a fair point as well. I mean, kind of looking at it as um you know from the male perspective, um more so than the female perspective. Um, it'll be interesting. It's definitely interesting. You know, I think they've like you just said in terms of you know like Paige and you know Sasha Banks, they've got a lot to offer um and a different um side and um depth to the AEW uh women's roster as well. So it'll definitely be interesting to see if how things pan out. You know, and I think it's a good test sometimes as well for particular wrestlers to sometimes go out of their comfort zone and go somewhere which is a lot more um well it's different in a sense. You know, so it's a it's a new place to um you know to go to. So yeah, definitely see what happens. Um very interesting time in uh, in wrestling. Absolutely. And uh, the last point of the news um, is a uh, new TNT champion of last week on Dynamite. Uh, Wardlow beat Scorpio Sky to claim his first championship and a 
really again his year just gets better and better Wardlow and um yeah I think I think we all saw this coming with the uh with the title change fully deserved though and Sky really is the limit for this guy isn't it oh yeah absolutely um fantastic I mean congratulations to you know Wardlow winning the you know TNT title after you know working so hard um with just this whole time in you know AW and you know I think the thing about the it was one of those things where because of the way this this is the kind of thing about um clever booking which we'll probably talk about which which we will talk about later on in the main part of the show the Smackdown 6 period but this long-term booking of you know Wardlow over you know the past couple of years has kind of led to that moment and it's one of those things where you know a title win you know where it actually means so much for somebody do you know what I mean like you said the sky's the limit in terms of you know he's just got so much charisma and he's just got so much kind of talent and he's got every he's got the fans behind him and he's just fantastic you know so yeah it's just uh it's just great to see him with uh you know his first major title in AEW and I hope that you know he has a really strong um reign given the sort of prestige the titles had over the past um you know a couple of years and uh champions who've uh you know who've held it i think it's really exciting for sure absolutely um well yeah that uh concludes the uh the news for this week um now also we've got a special little announcement as well before we go into our smackdown six um so yeah some exciting news involving a wrestling promotion so we can reveal that uh, us at BBG Wrestling, we have teamed up with Colossum Pro, and so you can get yourself 10% off tickets to see the debut show, Witness the Foundation of an Empire. That is this coming Saturday, the 16th of July, at Conway Hall in London. So I'll quickly repeat that as well. So again, it's uh, Colossum Pro making their debut. They've got a debut show this weekend uh, called Witness the Foundation of an Empire. Uh, so this this coming Saturday at Conway Hall in London, and you can get 10% off tickets using the code BBG10, and the link is in the description. So yeah, if you're at a loose end this weekend and you're in the you're in the capital and you want to get a wrestling fix, then you can get yourself a nice little 10% off. Uh, to go and see the show should be a should be a belter as well. Um, always nice to see sort of um, uh, sort of a UK promotion start up. I remember the excitement, as I say, when 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 Riptide first started down in my in my hometown, well, in my well, my nearest my nearest big city in Brighton. I was about to call it my hometown, but <laughs> call them, I'm a Brighton supporter, so we'll call them my hometown. Uh, there, so if you as I say, if you're about, get yourself a ticket, and you can get yourself, as I say, using the code, you can get yourself a nice ten percent off. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, and especially with you know the, uh, it'd be a great. I mean, obviously, the just just to say as well, the summer always, I think, kind of although wrestling is an into is a sort of event what happens you know predominantly indoors for some reason, summer and wrestling just kind of mix together as a perfect marriage, don't they? So it's always a great thing to go to in the summer as well. So yeah, definitely take advantage of it if you're in London. Absolutely. I've been to a lot of wrestling shows indoors in the summer, and uh, yeah, uh, if they've got good aircon, then it'll be absolutely fine. Uh, <laughs> I think I remember the one when obviously the days of going to watch pro- when I went to watch Progress, it was super strong style weekend, so it was the the late May bank holiday weekend, and it was boiling in Camden. Um, and um, yeah, the queue obviously naturally you queue for an hour or so when you go to Progress shows. Always traditional to queue outside. I think we were we were outside for about an hour and a half or so uh, in on the streets 
streets of Camden, uh, and it was boiling. And luckily, thankfully, there was a, uh, there were a few beers that was cold. Well, we kept going to the off-license to get sort of cold beers out of the fridge, but there was also an ice cream van that pulled up, and it was, yeah, it was delightful. It was delight to see. And yeah, I think the I think his business must have really gone through the roof that day as well. <laughs> Uh, but uh, best of luck to them Uh, so fingers crossed they'll do really well ladies and gentlemen this is the Mad Dog Mike Angus from TNT Extreme Wrestling make sure to listen out for Broken But Glorious podcast with me the Mad Dog Mike Angus rock on Moving on to um the 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 the, uh, the main part of the show, it is the SmackDown Six, and um yeah, gonna hand over to yourself, Stephen, to uh to le- take the lead on this one. Yeah, um you know I just want to say, well, first of all, thank you for you know I, I um want to say thank you for kind of letting me come on to sort of celebrate the SmackDown Six. It kind of twenty years since you know it happened. It's just sort of so crazy to think that you know like two decades have passed. Um, you know, it just, it, it's baffling, really. Um, you know, I think, so for those of us um, who, or for those people who don't know, so the, the SmackDown 6 essentially was um, in 2002 in WWE around this point in time, up until sort of early 2003, so we're kind of talking sort of to WrestleMania 19 period. There was a, yeah. a period kind of called the, it's referred to informally, but it's referred to as the SmackDown Six. Um, so it involved uh, six particular wrestlers on SmackDown who were kind of the forefront of a. I don't want to use the word revolution because that's kind of a bit too strong, but a, um, a, a sort of movement in terms of we'd, we'd moved. For, so so it was kind of a bit of a transition from the. We'd gone through the Attitude Era in WWE. We'd had the invasion, and there was kind of a bit of a, you know, middle ground where you know WWF was between WWE. There'd been the brand split. There was a little bit of kind of I don't know disjointedness more than anything with the you know with the company, and I think a loss of what the identity actually was in a way. So, um, and it was kind of you've got these two shows, you've got Raw and you've got SmackDown, but they've both got in now they've both got individual rosters and they've both got individual identities they've got to form. Um, so at the time, uh, backstage, um, Paul Heyman was actually the lead um, writer and sort of head of creative for SmackDown, and he instigated this um, sort of set of. Uh, he created this thing known as the SmackDown Six, which was the six wrestlers were Kurt Angle, Edge, Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, the late great Eddie Guerrero, his nephew Chavo Guerrero, and Chris Benoit. Um, they were the six guys who, over the course of the sort of six to eight months, you might say, or up until WrestleMania 19, would lead or be the forefront of SmackDown in a sense. Um, and similar in a way to the Attitude Era, um, they were the focal point of, you know, the TV. They were the focal point of the pay-per-views. Um, they were the focal point of, you know, the, the house shows. But what, what they did, or what Paul Heyman did, what was very clever, is that he completely went in an opposite direction to the Attitude Era and the more um, sort of character-driven wrestling what had been commonplace in WWE and instead went in a much more 
Um, ruthless aggression. Yes. <laughs> ruthless aggression period of wrestling, which involved, you know, hard hitting, um, technical, classic wrestling, in a sense, in that it was all about what was going on in the ring and, you know, the actual celebration of wrestling, in a sense, you know, what had been lost during the Attitude Era for WWE. There'd been instances where we'd had it with, you know, like Kurt Angle and, you know, um, Chris Benoit and, you know, Eddie Guerrero and they'd kind of been snippets, but this was kind of a full scale kind of revamp in that this is what SmackDown's going to be a wrestling show about wrestling. It's not going to be kind of like Raw where it's kind of a lot more sports entertainment. This is going to be kind of where you watch your wrestling and a big contrast to what was on Raw. Um, and it, and it was, for me, like, it still is, you know, I can, it, it was phenomenal, you know, like, I, I, um, have such, as you can tell, cause I've been obviously talking about it just now, but I have such a great love for this particular period in wrestling because, you know, from SummerSlam 2002, that was kind of the start of that new era. So we'd had, you know, it was kind of the starting point was where Brock Lesnar defeated The Rock for the WWE Undisputed Championship. So he kind of led the way from SmackDown from a championship sense, but he wasn't the focal point. It was the SmackDown 6 who were the focal point. Um, but this year, kind of a youth movement in a sense and a different take for WWE. Quite a brave thing for them to do from a, it was totally different to what they'd done before. Um, but the thing was, was that, um, Paul Heyman, had, and this is the other thing, is that Paul Heyman had previously worked with Eddie Guerrero, he'd previously worked with Chris Benoit, he'd previously worked with Rey Mysterio, um, Edge had obviously come up during the invasion and through the early 2000s with Kurt Angle, and Chavo had just come in from the invasion itself. So they were all hungry and they were all ready to prove what they were able to do on a WWE stage with the eyes what with the sorry the world watching them and all all eyes on them and they were just able to produce such fantastic matches you know um i mean we obviously know how as well you know SummerSlam 2002 yeah, I was gonna, absolutely i was i was going to say there with that that was i think still to this day it is the best SummerSlam of all time in absolutely it, you look at how stacked the card was you're absolutely right going from this sort of changing the era it had everything you you had sort of br- br- yeah everything that could have gone right about that card did go right there for correct winners as well it was yeah you'll do well to find a better better SummerSlam. oh yeah i mean um I think the thing was as well with that, I mean, obviously it was in New York, so there was that influence to it. There was the return of Shawn Michaels, which was a big yeah. influence as well in terms of this new, you know, re- revamp. Of, you know, it was kind of like they were literally moving the company from um, what it, it was that that kind of purgatory clinging on to, you know, the attitude era into something new and into something a lot more um, a new a new clean identity and. You know, I think um, with SummerSlam 2002, it was the start of that. Um, and, you know, it kind of kicks... It's funny, but when you do... It kind of did kickstart with the main... Sorry, the um, the opener between Kurt Angle and, you know, Rey Mysterio, yeah. where I actually watched that match uh, last week just because I wanted to refresh my memory of how good it was. And for those it's on youtube it's free for everyone to watch and i highly recommend you know you go and watch it because it's one of the most exciting 10 minute matches i think you'll see anywhere um 
And for someone like me who grew up watching WCW see, and WWE, but it's like seeing Rey Mysterio coming into WWE was exciting in itself, but seeing them against Kurt Angle and just the way they worked with one another, it was kind of like, you know, this is going to be exciting. And from there, it kind of organically developed with, you know, we had Eddie Guerrero and Edge as well and their kind of feud going on. And, you know, then Chavo was involved because of the um, Los Guerreros and Chris Benoit came over to SmackDown. Um, so the six of them all came together. Um, and I think the clever thing as well with the SmackDown six for me, what, um, or what Paul Heyman was able to do, which he learned with ECW and he brought into WWE is that, um, he was able to put pay-per-view caliber matches on a weekly television show and draw people in to then want to watch a pay-per-view in the sense of like, you know, you would, I mean, there's that famous, um, or one of the most famous matches in SmackDown history between Eddie Guerrero and Edge, what happened during the SmackDown 6, where it was the no disqualification match with the, which is probably one of the craziest matches like you'll see anywhere with the, you know, like the, uh, level of, uh, brutality they gave one another and the sort of climax to their feud. And then like with Rey Mysterio coming in and, you know, him debuting against Chavo and stuff. So there was a lot of, it all happened organically, but it just felt so, fresh and vibrant and it had a feel of its own what was it it felt like it was like it was its own little it was on wwe but we weren't watching wwe wrestling it was like we were watching something being presented on wwe programming it was like it was something else you know because it just didn't feel like traditional wwe wrestling in a sense it was it was a unique time um and you know one of the main draws as well to the whole SmackDown six era was the um the debut of the uh, WWE tag team championships which formed the WWE tag team tournament which went across about about four weeks I think. So you had the teams of Eddie Guerrero and Chavo Guerrero, so Los Guerreros, you had Edge and Rey Mysterio, who became a team who were fantastic. And then you had uh Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle, who were a great tag team because they didn't and they didn't get on with one another because of their they didn't they'd been feuding with one another. But Stephanie McMahon put them together as a team in the tournament to kind of um, prove they were the best wrestlers in the company. So it was a really clever piece of booking in that sense. And again, it was just magic in that it was a celebration of tag team wrestling. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, some of the matches what were what happened were you know phenomenal and. You know, from the actual um, tournament itself, we got the, as it went through the different stages, we then got to the um, finals at No Mercy 2002, which again is one of the, probably one of the most exciting and diverse pay-per-views in, you know, in history, um, with that phenomenal match between, uh, I mean, unfortunately due to, we have to point out as well, due to, um the situation involving Chris Benoit has tainted a lot of this, which is a real shame. Yeah. Um, but the match he had, Eddie Guerrero, sorry, um, Edge, Rey Mysterio, Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit had at no mercy in the finals of the um, WWE Tag Team Tournament to crown the first champions. You won't find a tag team match in WWE. That's what we were just talking about, tag team matches just then. Yeah. But like, it was just fantastic. Like Indeed. The stuff they did was just unreal. I mean, like, um, I think that's the thing is that it kind of, cause tag team wrestling always gets a, a rap in WWE 
of not being the focal point and not being kind of um yeah it's it's not though i think that's that's the thing it's uh what's what's really worrying me is i think we're well we're talking about a fantastic um time of when the tag team division felt but i think this was the last time it generally did feel that important yeah i know there's been flicker of hopes here and then even have to look at money in the bank um last week with that brilliant tag team match we've got between the usos and the street profits but it's all well and good having an all right feud here and there um it's all right having it all with this it's, it's been a, it's been a, it's been pretty good for a month or so but but to have it over a consistent bit of time, I'm struggling to go back as I think 2002 was the last time this felt like we had a very good tag team division where the tag team title felt, felt generally extremely important. Yeah, um, and it is a shame because this this particular tournament and period proved that tag team wrestling can work incredibly well. I mean, the thing we've got to remember as well is that, you know, Edge and Rey Mysterio were thrown together as a tag team. Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit were thrown together as a tag team. Los Guerreros were, obviously, Eddie and Chavo were related, so that kind of worked, or again, worked on their favour in terms of it was a natural tag team for them to come together. But it just worked, you know. They, they, I think because all six guys were just so good at the wrestling they were doing, and they were just so fantastic at, you know, not all... Excuse me, not only telling a story verbally, but in the ring, they understood the psychology. They understood how to build up a story. They understood the use of, like, um, you know, rest, you know, um, particular moves and how to pace matches and stuff because it makes such an impact. Because there was no, this is the other thing, there was very, in the SmackDown 6, I was thinking about this actually before I came on air this evening, but, um, you know, they, they were predominantly it was standard tag team matches, standard singles matches. Um, you know, they might be like there were there was two out of three falls tag team matches. There was you know like uh, triple threat matches, um, elimination sort of four way matches in terms of like you know like uh, fatal four way, but like four way dance or like the equivalent of like a three way dance in ECW. There was very little use of you know like. Uh, gimmick matches in the sense of, you know, like cage matches or ladder matches or, you know, like um, traditional sort of ent- sports entertainment matches. It was a lot more kind of going back to its roots wrestling, which I think was the thing what was most pure. You don't want to use the term pure wrestling, but it was mm. kind of looking at that and putting that at the forefront, which is what Paul Heyman did in such a great way. And, and all the guys were so worked so well together that it was able to, you know, deliver on all fronts. Um, and the other great thing as well is that, you know, with those six guys, you know, you can have so many endless combinations. You know, you could have like Eddie Guerrero against Rey Mysterio. You could have Chris Benoit against Edge. You could have, you know, like Eddie and Ray against, sorry, you could have Ray and Edge against, you know, as we saw, Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle or Kurt Angle against Chow. You know, they were so great at what they were doing that you could just take them out there and you could make a whole, the thing is you could, basically produce an entire episode of SmackDown just with SmackDown 6 matches because well, yeah. do you know what I mean and I think that's the thing in it because they were just so good at what they were doing well, the, you know? the, the program and everything in the build up to the Survivor I mean the Survivor Series 2002 match where all three teams were uh, all six men were involved it was it was brilliant. It was a really great match. And you also um, was sort of, yeah, it, it was just, 
it was it was a really great match. You had obviously storylines then going post match after that, uh, where where all six men went, um, and you also had a bit of an unexpected. I don't think anyone really would have predicted the uh, the Los Guerrero that Los Guerrero is winning that as well. So yeah, um, I mean obviously in Madison Square Garden, I mean that was a huge mm. a huge deal, and and Eddie and sorry uh, Edge and uh, Ray obviously were the um, was, you would have thought might have won it because they were the fan favourites, but then it was a shock when you know Eddie and Chris. Sorry, I keep saying Eddie. Uh, Kurt and Chris were eliminated. Chris Benoit. So it was definitely a great moment for them as well. And I think after Eddie, this is the other thing as well. In terms we talk about returns, but Eddie Guerrero had come back after he'd been released by WWE, so he returned to such a great fanfare and he was proving that he was the best all that time he'd put into coming back to WWE, he was the best at what he was you know, he was one of the best of all time and I think that's what this proved is that he could face anybody and, you know, he could he was so versatile. You know, like in a singles match he was just phenomenal. But with Chavo, the two of them together as well, when they did win the tag titles, it was a massive deal, you know, it was like a big a big moment, you know, like the first kind of family unit to win, you know, the WWE tag team titles. It was a, you know, a very profound moment in, you know, the history of the company kind of led to Eddie on his sort of ascension to eventually winning the WWE championship from, um, from Brock Lesnar, um, a couple of years later. And we do need to point out as well, um, that one of the other great things about the, period of 2002 or this point in in particular is that Smackdown not only had this particular set of talent but it also had you know Brock Lesnar coming up as the you know the WWE champion you had The Undertaker and their fantastic feud and that crazy uh, Hell in the Cell match at you know No Mercy which is one of the most brutal matches I think you'll see anywhere again Um, you had Tajiri Matt Hardy um, you know, there was just, I mean, at the time as well, there was like guys like Billy Kidman, um, just a variety of different wrestlers who, Jamie Noble, who just were a great supporting act to the six guys who were kind of the forefront of that particular era. Um, and it all molded together to create such a great weekly, you know, Show and period in time, big show as well. It was the other yeah. thing. The other guy, big show. I mean, that match against Survivor Series, you talk about it, but that match between Brock Lesnar and Big Show is absolutely. If you want to see a guy who's strong and who can lift someone who's, you know, like five, legitimately five hundred pounds, like <laughs> it was absolutely. crazy. Well, know? it was. It was the whole. I think you're absolutely right. I just think the whole. This is when I really loved wrestling as well, and not. I still do. I think I always will. Uh, but this was just such a. I mean, especially at the time when I was. Sort of, I think I joined early 2001, and um, yeah, it was. It was just a great time. The the draft. I love the, uh, the the. I really love the um, the first draft. Uh, it was brilliant, and then, yeah, I just loved the, the fact that they were strict with that draft. I mean, n- now it obviously now they physically probably can't be strict with a draft given that how thin the roster is. But I, and I think you know to prove in 2016 they did a really good job again when they really did the draft all over again. Um, it, it was good, really good TV. There was some, as you say, great some really great wrestlers that were getting sort of used, booked very well on on SmackDown, and. Um, 
And, and, and as I say, there was some really good sort of rivalry. I, I loved as well, I forgot to say as well, the, the Ben War and Angle sort of thing. I mean, when they went into that match at Royal Rumble 2003, how great that was as well. Absolutely. Um, and then Angle getting his old, um, sort of, uh, Angle, Angle with introducing Team Angle as well. Uh, yeah. with Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Hoss and how great of a tag team they were. And, and well, what a wrestler. Well, both wrestlers, but Shelton Benjamin in yeah. particular, one of, one of the, probably one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time, you could say. Um, so yeah, we did get some, some incredible moments, I have to say. I mean, I think that's the thing is that it, it also, for me, um, SmackDown for a long time had kind of seemed like it was, you know, they refer to it as kind of like, you've got the whole phrase of like the B show or whatever. And like with the draft, you, like you've just said, it was strict in that, you know, you've got two sets of, two sets of talent, two rosters. And, you know, this is what we're going to offer on this show. This is what we're going to offer on this show. And it's kind of like, were you on team raw or were you on team SmackDown? And they felt very different. You know, I know that they did, Jim. They felt totally different. And, you know, I think as well, because of the, influence of you know because i'm such a, a great fan of wcw i always kind of edged towards smackdown because it had more of the wcw guys who i love the cruiserweights obviously yeah. and, and those tv guys and you know i think um for and then you know you look at that that kind of then led into like you said you know team angle and you know kurt angle was just on a tear with what he was doing um he was just unbelievable with what he was able to do and you know obviously chris benoit was it's kind of we don't want to champion somebody who did what he did, but yeah. you know this is the sad thing is that um, you know you I will say this is all on air for the first time that like um, I've never said this before, but I actually share my birthday with Chris Benoit, um, oh. <laughs> so it was like immediately he was my favorite wrestler from there, even though I did enjoy watching him regardless. But when I found out he was when I shared my birthday, I was like, wow, he's awesome. Um, yeah, but but like it's such a shame that. It's kind of like for fans now who didn't see it at the time because of the way WWE has kind of blocked particular parts of history out. It's that's and, and from what it did, that's all lost. And it's such a shame because it was just so, like you just said, it was just so good in what it was actually presenting on a weekly basis. You know, it was just tearing it out of the park. Um, yeah. And then, you know, we look at, you know, where we are now 20 years later and it's incredible to think that, you know, Edge is still wrestling in WWE and is a Hall of Famer, you know, multiple time world champion. Um, Kurt Angle, another Hall of Famer, you know, a few years later he left and went to, um, Impact TNA and he, you know, didn't, and he's a TNA Hall of Famer and, you know, multiple time world champion there. Chavo, you know, went to, he, you know, stayed in WWE and became an ECW champion, you know, and, uh, he then has gone on to the independent scene and, you know, been like Lucha Underground. Rey Mysterio went and won the world title, you know, and obviously he's returned now and he's with his son Dominic, who was in WWE at the time as a child, you know, sometimes yeah, in the had crowd. Yeah, had, had a Dominic on the pole, not Dominic on the pole, but uh, Dominic <laughs> Con- custody of Dominic match between, funny yeah. enough, Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero as well. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Ed, uh, sorry, not Edge, um, you know, uh, Chris Benoit, who, you know, obviously through 2003 and 2004 won the Royal Rumble from number one and then won the world title at WrestleMania 20 in that amazing moment and then probably the most sort of uh, amazing of all was when Eddie you know defeated Brock Lesnar and you know won the WWE Championship in front of his mother and you know his family and 
you know, became you never, get, you never get a better moment than that. In, in my yeah. opinion, in professional wrestling, there's there's lots of uh, moments you can potentially compare, but I think if you were to grill fans who remember it, I don't think you can ever get a better, more emotional, a more underdog, a more genuine sort of... The way I compare it is I don't think you'd ever find a wrestling match where you can actually compare to a like an FA Cup Cup upset in football. I yeah. just think with Eddie Guerrero, Brock Lesnar, how, how, yeah. how much of a shocker it was. And... You know, the thing is, is that they were two men who'd been there during that particular era in time. So it was kind of like a passing of the, although Brock was the, you know, the younger of the two, it was kind of that passing of the torch and that he was leaving to go to the NFL. And then he gave, you know, Eddie the belt because he'd worked so hard from that point when he returned in the SmackDown 6. And it was, you know, it was an amazing moment. I think one of the other things about the particular, this period, 20 years ago as well, what was so special was that, um, you know, you had, uh, and although they do get a lot of criticism from a lot of fans, which I feel is unwarranted, Taz and Michael Cole were fantastic, uh, common, a commentary team to the contrasting Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler on Raw. And, you know, they'd both been there, Taz and Eddie, sorry, Taz and Michael Cole during Eddie's journey. So when it did come to that point yeah. where he was in the WWE Championship match, you know, it did feel that extra level of emotion watching it on screen because you could definitely feel... I think it's one of those few instances as well where when you listen to an announcer calling a match, or both of them, they were genuinely behind him. And I think that added into the, you know, wonderful moment as a whole. Um And it was just a great, you know... I, I mean, that's the thing is that it, although it was only that sort of six-month period from sort of like August to, you know, WrestleMania 19, you might say, so like March 2003, it had such a massive impact on the careers of all the people involved and of the evolution of, I think, the the brands in terms of their identity in that like Raw was one thing and SmackDown was the other and, you know, like you said, that brand split in terms of the rosters as well and stuff. Um and I can go back and I can watch any of those matches. I mean, you know, you can go and watch a random episode of SmackDown and you'll see a match between, like I said, you know, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio and it'll be just as good as, you know, any match from, you know, a pay-per-view you'll watch wherever, you know, just because they were like, goes all like Edge and Kurt Angle, for example. You know, I think it had such a, it because it was such a contrast to what had come before, it was a breath of fresh air and it was just such a vibrant sort of, um, moment in time and it's just a great thing after you know 20 years to be able to like talk about it and you know celebrate and I hope that more people kind of go and find some of these matches and watch them you know because I think it does give you a different perspective on what WWE can put out there Um it isn't just a sports entertainment kind of you know gimmick driven stuff they are fantastic at doing the you know, traditional classic wrestling, which, you know, the SmackDown 6 was all about. Absolutely. I, c- I couldn't agree. Couldn't agree much more of any of all of that there. And um, just, yeah, I, I think just a sort of on a, on a personal note um, as well, when oh, sort of, again, I would say when this is sort of when I was really getting into wrestling, but I mean, 
especially more when you're younger, like we probably were around that age. Well, we were. <laughs> no, probably yeah, we were. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ten enough, years old. Ten that's years how old. Life <laughs> that's how life works. Uh, but like waking up on the Saturday morning and watching it on Sky One, it always just had. It has so many special memories for me. And um, and it was when we you mentioned it as well. Um, I didn't want to cut in about the B sort of show that it always got labelled at, but it was always better than, in my opinion, than than Raw from sort of the two. I know Raw we always go back. I mean Raw was always the unmissable show as, as it rightfully was during the Attitude Era but then I thought personally early 2000s to up until probably the mid 2000s um, uh, uh, and now I thought Smackdown was definitely the best show and um, but it always sort of had just giving Smackdown a bit of bit of credit as a whole here really I mean we're talking it always has sort of it has had some unreal rivalries going over the years I mean 2009 I believe we had the Jeff Hardy CM Punk rivalry which I thought was, was brilliant yeah um, 2011 or Randy Orton and Christian great rivalry so um, that obviously when they had the brand split recently in 2016 Dean Ambrose I say John Moxley Dean Ambrose and AJ Styles so it Really, I think as well when you have got a brand split, it's really, really, it's, you really can build up those. But it's not to call it hijack this and make it all about brand splits. But I think that the brand split generally was a well, it was why the SmackDown Six is why we're talking about it today. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the reason why. You know, I mean, like, you know, um, that's the whole point is that you know you've come through. You know, the I think that's that was the thing is that. Um, you can only go so far, or they could only go so far, having two shows which featured both sets of, you know, um, well, well, featured a, a massive pool of talent, but not be able to fully sort of um, utilise them. And you've got to utilise, you've got to pick an, you've got to be able to create an identity for yourself. And I think that was the thing is that, like you said, Raw is the WWE flagship show, um, and that's fine. But I think. For me, as with as with you, as you were saying, I used to love getting up on a Saturday morning and knowing I'm going to watch like two hours of just great wrestling and just enjoy it, you know, because it is wrestling. You know, that's the thing is that it's kind of like I love just, you know, it was just fun to watch. You know, it wasn't like these, there was obviously talking segments and there was backstage segments, but they were, they, they were more um, sort of managed in a sense. It wasn't like it went on for too long. It always felt like it was very... Um, sort of kept in check you know like didn't kind of get too much and then you know like when there was anything it would be you know relevant to what was happening you know I always remember from this period as well one of the kind of more you might say raw as I mentioned earlier sort of raw rivalries was the Undertaker and Brock Lesnar where it was you know the leading into you know Hell in a Cell and stuff and there was that great backstage it's on YouTube if anyone wants to see it but there's a great backstage interview um, between the two of them sat um, with Paul Heyman there as well on Brock's side and they were like you know a verbal battle between one another before they went into Hell in a Cell and stuff and it just felt a lot more there was just a level of kind of legitimacy to it like it just felt a lot more um, like just entertaining I think because you kind of it had become kind of so repetitive the whole Attitude Era thing that it was just such a contrast to what had been there before that it just felt totally different having this more kind of gritty ruthless aggression as you said you know we have to mention John Cena as well just before we do yeah things. yeah but he yeah. came you know if it hadn't been for the Smackdown 6 and stuff and the way Kurt Angle I, again that was another match I watched recently because I've watched Kurt Angle's DVD but you know the way Kurt Angle and Brock uh, and John Cena worked with one another in that debut match and then going forward you know 
it was that what led to John Cena becoming or one of the reasons why he became such a huge star he is today. You know, um, phenomenal. I mean, that's the other thing as well is people are like, oh, John Cena, he can't wrestle, or John Cena can't do this. He can wrestle, and he can have fantastic matches. It was just that he went down a path which was a lot more kind of entertaining in that regard. But, you know, you watch him against like a guy like Kurt Angle or Brock Lesnar, or he can he can go with anybody, you know. Even Chris Benoit, you know, he just... Um, and Eddie, the, the fantastic... Um, parking lot brawl what was a few years later you know so um yeah just a wonderful time you know i think just a, a time when everything where we are today this was kind of the start of the identity smackdown became now you know and it's always one of those like you those nostalgic things i can go back and i can just go and watch and enjoy and you know someone says why do you love wrestling it's like well this is the reason why you know and you can just watch it for a couple of hours and think you know i've watched something really great there no, absolutely. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned um, John Cena as well. Well, again, with some of my memories, uh, just sort of having a bit of a SmackDown sort of memory. But yeah, the obviously <laughs> the iconic um, debut of John Cena was on SmackDown uh, with Kurt Angle. So, uh, and yeah, we sort of seeing that rise of a superstar from sort of a well arrogant heel to babyface to United States champion to world heavy well, WWE champion um, to shocking draft move to Raw and to well <laughs> the rest as they say is history uh, mm. so yeah though it, it, it was it was brilliant as again as well I thought the, the United sort of not to uh, make I know it's all about the Santa Six but again the United States Championship was a big part as well of of well as you could say it was a big part of these Smackdown Six guys I mean Absolutely. They, they, they all sort of had a bit of a run with it and they made it what it was um, and it was a fantastic mid-card belt Absolutely. I mean, you know, the main, the, the finals in, uh, you know, Vengeance 2003 was um, Eddie and, Eddie and Chris Benoit, you know, Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit, you know, and Eddie won, that was his start into, you know, I mean, obviously he was on the turn from, you know, I, I actually, this is one thing what, uh, I vividly remember, um, he was a, he was a heel when he won the belt, um, and then he, I remember the start of SmackDown when it was in, uh, El Paso and um, he came through the audience and he was back in El Paso and obviously had been through what he'd been through with you know his return to WWE after you know his addiction troubles and winning the belt and he was a dual champion as well he did hold the tag titles at the same time as winning the US championship which is a you know another little factoid there for people um, but it was the start of him I think that was the moment when like someone like Vince McMahon backstage realised, wow, this guy kind of... I mean, it's like when one of those things where people say, this guy's kind of got something special, and it's like, oh, well, you know, like, I'll believe it when I see it. And then when it came down through the crowd in El Paso, and the people were just... It was like hometown... It literally was like hometown hero returning after years and years of being away. It was just that moment, I think, where he realised, you know, he's going to be the WWE champion. And it, and it is, again, it's another phenomenal moment in the history of SmackDown and all six of these guys had such a impact on the legacy of the show. You know, I mean I know we talk about guys like I mean you can look at Raw and you can see guys like, you know, Steve Austin and, you know, The Rock and Triple H and you know, but the SmackDown will always be, you know, Eddie Guerrero, Kurt Angle, Rey Mysterio, um, you know, those guys who um sort of built SmackDown into what it became or what it's become now, I think, helped that identity be formed. Um and 
you know, I think that it definitely is an era which, more, if, if, you know, you do have the time to go and watch some of these matches, you know, where, from the period of, say, like, August 2002 to WrestleMania 19, if you've not watched them before on the WWE Network or YouTube, just look for some of the SmackDown matches between these six guys and just, you know, enjoy them because, you know, if you've not seen them before, then I'm sure you'll, you know, want to carry on watching them like we did. I couldn't wait for the next week of SmackDown when these well, guys that's, were wrestling. That's, that's exactly <laughs> it. You're absolutely right. Um, that's when it generally was unmissable to A bit like the way I feel about kind of Dynamite now and Rampage now is I am buzzing for, for each show to kind of appear. Like I'm just, uh, to see what happens next. And this, this was me generally in, uh, 2002 up until sort of the mid 2000s. And again, to be fair, when they did the, uh, in 2016, when they sort of did it, it was every week, you're like, oh, I'm really excited now for this edition. Smackdown, and, and, and I will say Raw as well in 2002. I think it was just a really underrated year. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it definitely, because it was just so different. I think there were two different identities and, you know, finding the feet, um, you know, and I think, you know, you look at, if you look at the two of them against one another, you know, you've got the, you know, Raw with its red and sort of more classic WWE vibe and then SmackDown, which is kind of blue and a bit more sort of, you know, modern and a bit more sort of um like, you don't use the word like traditional, but a bit more kind of like edging towards the sort of um particular niche of fans, if you get what I mean. So they definitely had, they both had um factors, like I said, factors for drawing you in. And some people were legitimately, you know, Raw fans and some people were SmackDown fans and that was exciting as well in that you know it wasn't just a case of watching WWE you were you know Team Blue or Team Red and obviously all those great interactions what happened like you said in those few years where you know you liked the draft in 2004 a couple of years later where they were the big mass brawl with you know the draft lottery and yeah, you know, yeah. Like, all those moments started from this particular period in time um, and the help uh, and the, the six guys of the SmackDown Six evolved SmackDown from being a sort of a, a supplement to Raw because there wasn't enough time on Raw to fit everything. So we created SmackDown. To SmackDown being a legitimate contender to Raw in terms of that you know you had this was must see TV as much as what Raw was, but for different reasons. If you get what I mean, for different wrestlers and for a different style. So, um, so yeah, it's just crazy. It's 20 years later. You know, I just like, when I looked at, mm-hmm. looked at the date, I was like, wow, you know, like 20 years ago, you know, it's crazy to think that it's like 20 years has passed since. And like I said, these guys, some of them are still, you know, wrestling and, you know, on pay-per-views and stuff. It's just, you know, it's just insane, you know, yeah. but, uh, fantastic. No, absolutely. Well, yeah, oh, I could be here on, we could be here for hours and hours and hours still to work <laughs> how, how great it was, but, um, uh, so, um, but no, you really enjoyed talking about that. And, um, before we get on, um, I just want to, uh, make again, if you, in case you may have missed it earlier, what we're, um, before we, um, started talking about the SmackDown 6, uh, again, a big reminder, um, we have teamed up with Colossum Pro, so you can get 10% off tickets to see the debut show witness the foundation of an empire and again that's this saturday the 16th of july at conway hall in london you can use the code bbg10 and the link is in the description as i say you get 10 percent off a wrestling show uh this saturday coming 
Um, but yeah, that's uh, all we've got time for this uh, for this edition. Um, many, many, many thanks for yourself coming on and taking lead of that. And it was well, a bit of a again, just sort of uh, get, bringing back loads of fantastic memories for, for this SmackDown <laughs> Six. So no, I really appreciate that, mate. And as you always, great to have you on, and great to have your company. Oh no, thank you, uh, thank you, Nick. No, just like I said, thank you for you know letting me come on and sort of be a bit more of a you know a fanboy. And like I said, you know, <laughs> you know it, but yeah, it's a, it's a period in wrestling I'm really passionate about, and you know I just hope you know I'm, I'm glad you uh, you know it's always great to come on and to chat with you, and I just hope you know everyone goes out there and watches a few of these matches and you know sees what we've why we're so passionate about it ourselves, you know, because you know I'm sure that you'll enjoy it as well. So no, just thank you for you know, allowing me to come on and as always, uh, enjoy your company as well, Nick. No, my pleasure. And, um, yeah, again, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, got lots of, um, uh, lots of fun content coming up. So, um, thank you for listening and we will see you soon. Yeah. See you soon, everyone.